Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Uh, Good evening everyone, it's Done By Law on 3CR 855am. Um, I'm in the studio tonight with my mate Miles and we're going to be talking to Ruth Barson in a little while about a recent Human Rights Watch report which focuses on the over-representation of people experiencing a disability or a mental illness in our prisons. So tonight, again, we're talking about prisoners' rights. It's not a new topic um, for our show. Um, Our nation's prisons continue to grow and grow and prisoner numbers in our country are at an all-time high. Overcrowding, the increasing privatisation of the prison system and abusive practices in our government's institutions like Dondale have all been topics that our show has covered in the past. But what many listeners may be unaware of is how overrepresented in our prisons are members of our society society, sorry, who experience disability. Despite making up only 18% of the Australian population, people with disabilities, particularly cognitive and psychosocial disabilities, make up nearly 50% of all prisoners in Australia. Actually, people with disabilities are even more likely to end up in prison. Um, Human Rights Watch recently conducted research into barriers to justice faced by prisoners with, prisoners with disabilities. It found many instances of neglect and abuse and concluded in a, that in Australia um, we are failing in our international human rights obligations. So joining us tonight will be Ruth Barson, who is one of the directors of legal advocacy at the Human Rights Law Centre. We're going to get Ruth on the line. Um, I'm going to go to a song and then we'll come back soon and discuss the report and the state of the situation here in Victoria. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to Done By Law. In case you missed it at the beginning of the program tonight, we are talking about prisoners' rights and we have Ruth Barson on the phone from the Human Rights Legal Centre, sorry, the Human Rights Law Centre, to talk to us about a recent report Um, released by Human Rights Watch, which um, focuses on research they've done about the experience of people in prison who live with a disability or experience um, mental illness. So I'll just um, introduce Ruth. Hi, Ruth, are you there? Hi, thanks for having me. That's all right. Let me just tell our listeners a little bit about you, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, Ruth Barson is the Director of Legal Advocacy at the Human Rights Law Centre. She leads the centre's work advocating for the rights and dignity of people behind bars. She has long campaigned and advocated for people who are socially and economically disadvantaged, those who experience disability and those who are socially excluded. She's worked in both the legal assistance sector and internationally on human rights work and she's a great friend, ally and comrade of the CLC community. So welcome Ruth, thanks so much for coming in to have a chat to us tonight. 
it's wonderful to be on the show. Um, just to start off, Ruth, I've had a look at the report and it looks like it's based on field work conducted in both Queensland and WA. So tonight I'd like to focus on what's happening here in our state. But to begin with, can you please sort of outline for listeners the key findings of the recent Human Rights Watch report? Uh, sure. So Human Rights Watch researcher Kriti Sharma, uh, along with the Human Rights Watch office in Sydney, conducted uh, over 200 interviews with both prisoners and prisoners prison officers are in a number of prisons, regional, remote, women's and men's prisons in Western Australia and in Queensland. Close to 50% of the prisoners interviewed were Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, uh, and the researchers also interviewed women. Uh, And the picture that was painted at the end of that research was pretty harrowing. It showed uh, enormous examples of abuse and neglect of people with disabilities in prisons. Uh, there were men required to sleep in nappies because they had a physical disability and couldn't, uh, and the toilets were far away and they weren't accessible toilets. And what was the main finding and main recommendation of the report was that our solitary confinement should be banned when it comes to prisoners with disability. Uh, and that came because they found that solitary confinement was being overused and inappropriately used as a way of managing people with disability. Is solitary confinement something we would see here in Victoria as well? Uh, absolutely. Only at the end of last year, in November last year, the Victorian Ombudsman uh, conducted an investigation of Dame Phyllis Frost, the women's prison in Victoria, and at the end of that she also found that solitary confinement was being overused and inappropriately used. And really disturbingly, she found that two women with disabilities had been held in solitary confinement for over 12 months. Uh, that's an enormous amount of time, and if you step back and think about what solitary confinement is, it's a concrete cell, usually the size of a car parking spot. Uh, it's got limited ventilation, limited uh, access to water, sometimes limited access to sanitation facilities. People are held in... Well, solitary confinement is defined as 22 hours a day or more without any meaningful human contact. So people in solitary confinement are often just spoken to by prison guards through an intercom or through the slot. They might receive meals through a slot. They have very limited access to education, limited or no access to family or support programs, uh, and very limited time outside. What we know about solitary confinement is that it risks causing irreparable harm to a person's well-being, and that's why it needs to be so, so strictly regulated. Is it currently regulated? Uh, It's not regulated enough. Uh, And so what Human Rights Watch report recommends and certainly what the Human Rights Law Centre backs is that it should never be used for people with disability and it should certainly never be used for children. When it comes to the rest of the prison population, the human rights standard is that it should only ever be used for a maximum period of 14 days. So prolonged solitary confinement should never be used. And again, that's not just some arbitrary number. That's because all of the evidence shows that solitary confinement in excess of that 
can again really hurt somebody. It can really damage their. Uh, it can really damage them psychologically, and it can have really long term impacts on their ability to recover and move on with their lives. Oh, thanks, Ruth. Um, I wanted to talk about the warehousing of people with mental illness or disability. Mm. And I know it's a terrible phrase to use, but it is a term that which is used to describe the reality in Victoria at the moment where so many people with disabilities are being housed in prisons due to a clear lack of adequate services in the community, whether it's housing, social um, supports or mental health, mental health supports. Um, it's a huge question, but what do you think are the, the reasons for this and what do you think we can do about that? Well, I think, Philippa, just the statistic alone, I think, tells a really important um, story and should be a call to action for all of us. Approximately 50% of Victorian prisoners have a disability. Uh, that's either mental illness or a cognitive disability or a physical disability. Uh, and that really shows us that the justice system is failing to do what it was really set up to do, which is to be a fair and a flexible and a forgiving system that really helps people rebuild their lives. Uh, instead, what we've got is a situation where laws and policies hit really vulnerable people hardest. So hit Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people hardest, hit people with disabilities hardest and increasingly hit women hardest. Um, so we've got a really out of balance justice system uh, occurring at the moment and at the um, really pointy end, the prison end, we've got prisons uh, whereby the people who are being forced into prison are people who in many instances um, should have been far better supported in the community at the outset. So all the things that you were saying, if there were really good drug and alcohol services, if there were really good disability uh, support services, if there were really strong mental health services, family support services, all of those things would likely stop so many people ending up in the prison system. And those could all be part of a corrections order, is that...? Uh, that's right. Those could all be part of the corrections order, uh, so a community-based order. But even if we took a step back from that, those could also be part of a diversion mm. um, option. Or even much before that, if those services existed in the community, it might be that people weren't uh, getting in trouble with the law in the ways that they are now. Or, they w or it might be that police aren't funneling people into the criminal justice system in the way that they are now, police might feel more able to refer those people to social support services um, rather than siphoning so many people into the justice system. And what are some of the recommendations that have come out of the report that we can use here in our practice, Ruth? Uh, well, there are a huge number of recommendations, but... Uh, what do you think are the, the so, best ones? Uh, so I think absolutely, there is absolutely no reason that Victoria should be exposing people with disability and children to solitary confinement. That's a recommendation that the Andrews government could choose to implement tomorrow. And that uh, international law, hasn't that already been decided that it should be used as the last resort? Uh, that, that's right. The international standard is set and Victoria is currently, practices are out of with international law and in breach of international law. But I think it's really important to look behind the law and the reasons for it, and that's really because people's dignity, people's core sense of 
self and people's ability to get on with their lives according to a question when they're held in these uh, really cruel conditions. But other recommendations, such as better screening processes. So at the moment, when somebody uh, is forced into the prison at reception, uh, it's really a process whereby that person is required to self-disclose or self-diagnose whether or not they have Mm -hmm. a disability. Uh, If they're not aware of that, if that disability hasn't been diagnosed, as is the case with innumerable people with acquired brain injury, mm. it might be that that disability goes completely unnoticed in the criminal justice uh, in the prison system, and so you've got a situation whereby somebody who might have a disability and therefore for very good reason might not understand or comprehend or be able to comply with prison orders is seen as a troublemaker and therefore they're subjected to the disciplinary system in the prison and therefore they're exposed to really harsh treatment like solitary confinement. So I would think that early diagnosis, and that's certainly one of the recommendations, is something that the Victorian government should be looking to implement as a priority. Um, But equally, again, if we take a step back, um, in Victoria we're really lucky to have courts like uh, the ARC court, so essentially the mental health list, whereby it's a really therapeutic and specialist court set up to make sure that uh, people with disabilities and with mental health diagnosis are treated properly and fairly and appropriately uh, in the courts, that court should be expanded. So there are a whole lot of things that the Victorian government could be doing tomorrow to fix the to fix the broken justice system and to make it fairer and to make sure that criminal justice system does what it was intended to do, which is to be a really positive intervention in people's lives, to rebuild people's lives. The Victorian government's had a bit of time to respond to the solitary confinement issue because of the report you mentioned that came out last year. Has there been any indication either in relation to that or this report of what direction the government might take? Uh, not, not that I'm aware of. I know in relation to children, there was a report by the Victorian Children's Commissioner that into solitary confinement and other confinement practices like lockdowns uh, in the youth justice facility and the government said that they would have accept and adopt all of those recommendations. The Children's Commissioner, part of her function is to review the implementation of those recommendations and she'll be reviewing that this year. Uh, So I think uh, we'll we'll wait and see to see uh, whether the Victorian Government has held true to its word and um, stopped the use of solitary confinement in youth prisons. But when it comes to adult prisons, no, we haven't had a response from the Andrews Government. I guess one of the dangers is that some of the more horrific examples are interstate, but um, that doesn't mean that there's not really important issues that need to be addressed in Victoria. So it's a bit, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't think Victoria should at all be complacent. Yes, jurisdictions like Western Australia or the Northern Territory might have more acute examples of injustice, but there is still injustice going on in Victoria. And as long as there is injustice going on in Victoria, then there's work to do for advocates and for the government in making sure uh, those injustices end and people are treated in a really respectful and fair way in an appropriate way in the justice system and that the and that prisons aren't used uh, as a proxy for community support because we know they, that they don't work. Uh, and what I mean, so what type of things are obviously the current um, approach is to look at the recommendations of the report and think about what might apply in Victoria and you've outlined some great examples is what, what other work is being done in this space for example by 
um, your organisation? Uh, well, we're working really hard in the space of youth justice uh, in particular and also in the space of uh, women in the criminal justice system in particular. So we're certainly, we very recently launched a report looking at the routine use of strip searching in the women's prison, uh, the fact that women regularly and repeatedly are required to remove all of their clothing in front of uh, two prison officers. So we've made the case, as has the Victorian Ombudsman, that Victoria should move in the same direction that the UK and the ACT has, which is to replace routine strip searches with risk-based strip searches. So strip searches should only be conducted when there's actually a reasonable belief that uh, there is is, uh, a risk of contraband coming into the prison rather than on a routine basis. So every time a woman wants to see her family or needs to go to court or... Uh, is admitted into the prison. Um, the second recommendation is that strip searching is actually archaic and outdated and can be replaced with modern scanning technologies like the scanners that we all walk, walk through at airports. Uh, so that's uh, another issue that we're progressing in the criminal justice space. When it comes to children, again, Victoria is out of step. Uh, with the rest of the world in locking up primary school-aged children, so children under 14. Uh, And the Victorian government should very much be looking to raise the age of criminal responsibility so that children uh, who should be in classrooms are kept in classrooms rather than being locked away in prison. Well, thanks, Ruth. We're really about to wrap up, but I just wondered if you've got any tips for, you know, social justice lawyers out there or just listeners in general. (laughs) Do you reckon we're better off advocating for an increase in social service supports and prison abolition instead of trusting what's going to be going on behind closed doors and in these closed spaces? Uh, Well, I think, uh, as we've seen over the last few months, Victoria is on the cusp, if not uh, in the midst of a law and order election. And uh, in those times, what we see is politicians, both the Liberal Party, both Matthew Guy and Daniel Andrews, putting self-interest ahead of what we all want and need from a fair and a functioning justice system. So absolutely, as advocates, we've got a really important role to play, as does the whole community, in making sure our justice system uh, is not undermined by punitive policies, but but rather operates as it should, and that's a compassionate justice system, a fair justice system, a justice system that is able to take into account the individual circumstances of people who comes be- who come before it, and really a justice system that helps rebuild and um, people's lives and and helps people get back on the right track. And I say that both for victims uh, and for people who might be in trouble with the law. Thanks so much, Ruth. We're going to have have to wrap it up. It's 6.30. That went quickly. But um, listeners can have a look at the Human Rights Watch report, which is available online, and there should be a link on the Human um, Rights Law Centre website. So thanks again, Ruth, for speaking with us. Thanks so much for having me. And great work in this area as well. Likewise to you too. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.